Welcome to the Neurodiverse Toolbox with Sheila Kieschlin and Paige Kieschlin. Good afternoon, Paige. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, how was your lunch with your siblings today? It was good. That's nice. That's cute. You guys went out together. Mm -hmm. So we have a guest today. Colby Stevens is with us. And Colby and I were talking a few weeks ago, and he has some really unique advice or things that he does for himself about um, money and financial stuff. So I asked him to come on. on. Um, we're going to write a blog together, too, which will be fun. Um, but I'm going to let Colby do his own bio. So. Thank you for coming on, Colby. Thank you for having me. So yeah, uh, currently I am um, a branch manager of a bank here in Boulder, Colorado. Um, I have 15 years in the financial services industry working in many different aspects of it, um, all the way from retail banking to uh, mortgage lending. Um, and lots of in-between. And so I got my um, degree in business and finance. Um, I was a young entrepreneur, um, you know, started off with my first own business when I was uh, um, eight years old. Um, <laughs> that is so, <laughs> and, we, <laughs> and did that where um, I, I did some door-to-door -door sales in my neighborhood to neighbors and friends for, for things like that. And so um, cut my teeth early, but part of what I've seen over, over my career is on the financial aspect of building and coaching financial plans. And so that's what I do the majority of, of my time and spend my time on is how do we accumulate and retain wealth? Because they are two separate um, sides of that coin where one leads to the other, but requires different skills to, to handle. And so those are, those are things that I get to do on a day-to-day -day basis. Cool. So um, <clears throat> I'm really looking forward to this because lots of my clients, money is just an issue for all my clients. So, um, so I think this might be helpful for lots of people. So we ask all of our client, all of our guests, the same three questions before we get really into the topic, but Paige, do you want to ask Colby? Um, yeah. What is something you can't go a day without doing? Yes. Yeah, so I should preface that I am, um, I do have ADHD and I found out about it later in life. So I was diagnosed when I was um, 28 years old, um, had gone most of my life without figuring that out and coming into and, and discovering that about myself opened up a lot of doors and helped me recognize a lot of the reasons why I did the things that I do. So um, a day without um, something that I can't go a day without is I need to have some type of physical activity or something that gets my brain going in the morning. So we do Sudoku puzzles with my team um, right now every morning. And that's something that I cannot go without because getting your brain up and going and thinking early in the morning is, is a necessity for someone like me. Cool. 
What habit have you found that helps your brain the most? Yes. So uh, physical exercise. And part of this is, so I, I do take a medication as well. Um, but part of what has it going is if I get up and I get moving um, early in the morning. So if I run, if I do something active before I start my day, I am significantly more um, capable of accomplishing what I need to during the day. Otherwise I feel sluggish. I feel down. I can't, I can't concentrate. And all of that comes from just starting off with a little bit of physical exercise. So if I don't at least get something, then the whole day will just be shot. And so that is something that is, that really has impacted my brain a great deal is starting the day off. Right. Is, um, is running your go-to or do you mix it up? I mix it up. So, um, but it has to be, it has to be cardio. Oh, okay. Um, so something along those lines, running, riding your bike, even if you're out walking in the cold for a little bit of time. Um, so on days where I can't exercise, if I get, I'll come in early and I'll spend 10 or 15 minutes just walking around outside that will wake you up and it, it just kind of energizes your brain. So, um, specifically for me, it's, it's a way that I compensate. So I don't have to feel like I'm overdoing it on medication to kind of get my brain going. And it helps me stay focused throughout the day. Cool. Um, last question. What are you most excited about today? Yes. Yeah, so I, I have, um, a baby on the way this year. Yay! And so, yeah. <laughs> And so there's a lot of planning and preparation that goes into play for that. And so I'm really, really excited. I'm in that nesting phase of getting things organized and going and looking at. So I'm already started looking at life insurance policies and savings plans for school and things like that for our new edition. Um, and so we've already. Yeah. So I'm really, really excited about doing this because my two older kids are 10 and 11. And so I get to go through with all the extra knowledge and experience that I have with them and hopefully do it right this time. <laughs> I'm sure you did it right. The first time. They don't pop out with manuals, unfortunately. Um, that would be nice if they did, but they don't. So, um, so you and I had a conversation the other day Um and so why don't you just tell us a little bit about like a general, a general, like how to avoid pitfalls, because there's so many for people with ADHD, right? Like, yeah. And so, yeah, so there is um, on a financial aspect with ADHD, it is really, really easy to get caught up in sales Um to get notifications and feel the desire to immediately purchase things. It just, it's just comes with it because we're looking for that dopamine release. And so when we see something, we get that instant gratification and it gives us the excitement that we're looking for. And so part of what you do with the financial side is everything marketing wise, um, gaming, um, just things in the world are all geared towards instant gratification, which is really, really bad for those of us with ADHD. Um, it's really hard for us to function on, on a day-to-day -day without getting caught up in that a little bit. And so our financial wallets take a hit. 
Um, so some of the ways to avoid those pitfalls is building a um, financial plan for yourself that you're going to stick to. Um, it's easier said than done, but the other aspect of it is, is, is giving yourself roadblocks to your own money. So diversifying what goes to what. So if you have um, funds that go to bills every single month, you take your paycheck and you split that into an account that just pays bills and you don't ever use it for anything else. Um, if it's paying your mortgage, if it's paying your cell phone, things that are not repeating, that are consistent, your utility bills can all go into one section that you've pre-planned and built. This is what I need to pay into. Here's where it's going. I can't use it on anything except those bills that I have. And then you've created a mental block for yourself and you've created a safe space that you're protecting yourself from those um, purchases that you may go out, those extravagant purchases that you may have. Um, and I have those. So there's a couple websites that I love. Um, a couple like, um, so I collect like shoes and flannel shirts and those websites that sell those things for me, I have to put blocks on so I don't see them every day. Right. <laughs> because I have it, some clients that just use a different email account when they buy stuff mm -hmm. online and then they never check that email. Yep. And you might have to do stuff like that too, just mm -hmm. to, to help out. But, but you start with that. And then on my side, I also created um, a separate account that then pays for gas, groceries, those, those purchases that fluctuate up and down um, and kind of use that. Now, there's ways that you can do that with, if you manage it really well, um, you can have that be like a credit card that you're doing on these ones that you're paying down, but you have to set the money aside and understand that this is only what you use it for. One of the biggest things you can do for yourself really does come down to building a mental block to access on those funds. Um, because that will, that will help you to stay on track with, with your spending and saving, um, on that aspect. And then I build an account that's just for fun. Um, I put a certain amount, every single paycheck or every single time I deposit, it goes into my fun account. I don't track how I spend it. I don't care how I spend it. I give myself that budget and it can go out and be used however I want to. I've pre-planned it to, to go into these types of things that it's going to be my fun account to buy those impulsive purchases. And that's what I use that for. And when the money's gone, it's gone. Um, there's ways that you can do that where you're giving yourself cash in hand that here is your set budget that you're doing. Um, you can use an account. It just depends on what works for you. Um, but that's the big part is, is looking at what, doesn't work for you now? And then how do we adjust that moving forward? What are your thoughts on having a card either like have overdraft, like a debit card, have overdraft or like just be flat out declined? If it's me, <laughs> uh, and, I, and I can only talk from my experience, I do a journal. I do not let my fun account go negative. I would rather be embarrassed at checkout than to have it pay from an overdraft because my budget is my budget. And if I if I break that barrier and I let it go overdraft, I've then allowed myself to think that it's okay and I will do it again. Hmm. We 
we just find excuses in spending to cross the lines that we soft set for ourselves. So it has to be a hard line. Um, and it's the same with, it's the same with credit. Like it can be really, really beneficial to use a credit card to purchase your gas and your online purchases because the fraud protection is really good. But if you're not ready to manage that type of an account responsibly, then you don't set yourself up for failure with it. Wait until you can or recognize that this is not something that works for you and cut it off and use something that does. Okay. Um, tell us a little bit about, um, a lot of my clients are, you know, maybe thirties, forties. Um, when's a good time for people to start saving for their, their retirement and their future? Right. Cause I think that's a really hard one because it's not now. It's definitely in the not now bin of time for people with ADHD, right? There's now and not now. And retirement is not now. It's like way down. Mm -hmm. there. Yeah. It's, it's really, really easy to look at it and say, I'll start next paycheck. I'll start next year. I'll start sometime. It's the same thing that we did with like school projects. Uh -huh. We wait until the deadline. And then we say, well, retirement doesn't work that way. You can't wait until you're a year away and then start. <laughs> and part of part of what is so important is retirement you should start saving for as early as you can and it's something that you should start doing with your first employment if possible um that means if you're working at 16 and 17 and 18 and ready to start saving start putting money away and finding a way to do it um it's never too early and the other aspect of it is is if you're on that fence where you're now in your 30s and your 40s if you haven't done it, you need to do it now. And it's time to start doing it immediately and, and putting yourself in that timeline. Um, ways to make it successful is set up a parameter where if you haven't started saving for retirement, start saving a little bit now and have it gradually increase on a set where you can set it up automatically to do it, where you don't think about it and it will just automatically start increasing how much you're going to be putting in percentage wise. So that way you're not feeling the full brunt of, Hey, I'm trying to put 10% away into re retirement. Now you can start at 5% and work your way up over a year or two, if you need to. And <laughs> so that way it doesn't do that. But the other aspect of it is, is because we see the money leaving we feel like we're missing out on it and we're losing it. And so part of part of what being neurodiverse in this way is out of sight, out of mind. So have it scheduled to automatically come and leave and don't look at it. Like you won't see it actually not coming into your, your income that you have. So you're not concerned about money that you don't have and it's just automatically going and then you're not thinking about it. And it makes it a lot easier to swallow that transfer into retirement. Um, do you have thoughts about saving privately, saving through your employer? I have so many. <laughs> uh, there should be some combination of both types of savings. So I do believe in retirement saving in multiple different ways. Um, and depending on the type of career that you've taken, because if you're self-employed, 
your retirement saving could be a little bit different because you're also planning on some business assets or selling your business in retirement that may be leading to some funding some of your retirement as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do work with a employment that offers a 401k match, you want to at least put Matt put in as much as required to get the full employer match. Um, my rule of thumb is if you can save 10 to 20 percent in retirement, that's what you should be doing. Um, there are there are caps on how much you can, but 10 percent is a really, really good number to look at because over time, if you're in your 20s and you start with with, hey, I'm going to give 10 percent to it, that will grow. And funds grow exponentially when they compound in interest. And so you're not making the majority of your funds at the beginning of when you start. But if you give it 20, 30 years to get there, it is insurmountable. The amount that your money will grow in the last five years of that time. It's it is extremely beneficial to do it. Um, I also believe in using other avenues of personal retirements or IRAs, um, individual retirement accounts, life insurance as a way to save for retirement is really good. And um, there's a there's a couple different ways to look at it from there, but um, I can do a couple book suggestions as well that I think are really helpful. Cool. Um, definitely like email me those and, uh, okay. and other websites that you think are great. And I'll just put yeah. them in the, the, the description part. of yeah. this episode. I should reference if there is like any like jargon or terminology that we use um, getting onto like investopedia.com and like searching those things up, like in what's an IRA, what's a 401k. Um, those can all be found there. And it is a wonderful resource for explaining how things work and what they are. And then there's also retirement calculators and things available with them. Awesome. I'm not affiliated, just it's a great website. Cool. Um, Yes, and that too. Um, And we'll put them all in there. Um, So the other issue a lot of my clients have is that they um, switch careers at some point. Mm -hmm. So talk to me a little bit about... I guess having the ability to switch a career if you decide you want to switch it and like, what does that look like for your retirement? Like, how do you bring that? I I don't think a lot of people know how to bring that with you. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so there's, there's different things that might happen. And so if, if you did start saving early, Um, then when you hit that kind of that slowdown or you're not feeling as productive in your career field, want to do a change, having a a safety net in place to help you figure out what that looks like when you're in your thirties and forties is a great help to do that career change for that long-term, um, challenge that you're looking for, uh, being ADHD me with me has meant that like, if I figure something out and I get really, really good at what I do, I get bored and I'm ready to shift into something new. I need new problems. Mm-hmm. I need to solve new things. And so part of setting yourself up for success is understanding on the financial side that if I'm building a little bit of savings in retirement and I'm putting funds away 
knowing that this is just how I'm going to act. When you hit that stage in life that you're ready for a transition, you have a way that you can do what you want to do to grow that because you have some funds to help pay for you while you get there. Um, the worst thing that can happen is, is you get burnout in your career and you want to switch, but you can't because you don't have any way to afford the change. And that can make it really difficult and it can make your options less available for you to make that transition. Um, and so that's why like managing your spending is so important. But then if you do try to switch and um, you're going from something that is a set income to now you're on something that yes, is more valuable to you, but it's not a fixed income. It's adjustable because you're trying to start your own business. If you didn't control your spending with the fixed income, now it's even harder and more difficult to manage. And you're less likely to succeed solely because you haven't built some roadblocks for yourself to your own, your own finances and you're letting your spending get out of control. And that's, that can be such a valuable tool to learn early. Sure. Um, I think the new, especially in like tech jobs, which is mm -hmm. full of neurodiverse people, um, like it's pretty common for people to change jobs, even as like in as little as like 18 months, two years, right? Like that's really far away. That, that sounds really strange to me. I'm old. People would stay at jobs for, you know, like 20 years and like, <laughs> Right. So that's different now. So how does that affect like how you're saving for your, like yeah. if you're changing jobs every two years, how are you making sure that you're keeping track of where your, where your retirement is? What's a good number of places for it to be? How many is too many? Yeah. And Part of, yeah, you, you definitely don't want to have it, your finances get so diverse that you can't keep track of any of it right. and retirement the same. So if you're job hopping that much, it makes sense to move your retirement into your own personal retirement at one location when you do switch jobs and start fresh with the company match on whatever their retirement, retirement help is. Um, but just like you said, Sheila, it's true. Um, people used to be in their job and they'd be in it for 20 or 30 years. And this is what you did. You found your career and you just stuck with it and trudged along. Well, that's not the way it is anymore. No. Um, the average individual right now will job hop and, and have 13 to 15 careers over their lifetime right now that they will, they, they will transition. So like looking at that aspect, it's huge. And it, you're not going to carry 13 to 15 different company like right. retirement accounts. So when you do switch to a new company, move your retirement account into your own personal, personally controlled one, if you are possible. And then if your new employer has a match, do that match. But, but then as you transition, you can continue to move funds into it um, and take advantage of having it some help and having it managed by someone. Um, one of the other things that can really be helpful is if you have like a financial advisor or, or a planner that is there to help you along the way, what happens when you have these big life events that happen and you're like, well, I'm going to pull from my retirement account. You're going to talk to somebody who's going to help talk you off the ledge a little bit <laughs> and give you the reasonable expectations of what you should really be doing 
if it should be a little bit, if there should be some, some holes there, but you're finding you're using the guidance of someone else to help you out because your decision-making, you already understand you have a tendency to do impulsive decision-making and right. that helps you protect yourself. So that's what I was just going to ask about before you said it. Um, so most people, you're an anomaly. Most people with ADHD don't like money um, or don't like to deal with money. Um, they like, you know, creative things or tech things or the medical field or whatever. Um, and so like, they don't even know how to, they, they, they don't even really know how to create a budget or what is reasonable or like, so what if you're at like that really low level of like, I know I need to create a budget, but I have no idea where to go. Yep. And I, I am great for that. Um, cause that's what I do each and every day. But part of that is a good place to start is writing down what are your fixed monthly expenses? So what do you pay every single month and putting that down and starting, starting just that simply because one, it's really, really hard to look at your finances if you haven't done it in a while. And it's really, really hard to look at your finances if you're feeling a little guilty about your spending. Sure. Um, There's a lot of guilt and shame involved with impulsive. Well, and, and self-shame as well. So no, no, exactly. That's what I, yeah, for sure. And, and so yeah. part of that is, is writing down, what do you pay each and every single month? Looking at that, um, using that to decide, okay, how much of your, how much of your income are you receiving that's going out? And then how are you planning on spending the difference and creating, creating a, just a small budget there. Now, if you're really, really like having a hard time with that, there's resources like Mint um, that will put all your assets into one easy to read platform. They track your, your deposits, your withdrawals, they do your retirement tracking, and you can use that as a way to just build some, some short-term finance and budgeting just to see like, Hey, am I spending a lot on online purchases? And that, that can help you recognize some of those things a little bit and be a really good budgeting tool and planning tool. Yeah. Cool. Um, so let's talk about savings and how to protect your savings. Yeah. So when it comes to savings, your, your worst enemy when it comes to protecting it with ADHD, because you're going to find reasons to, to use those funds for something. There's always going to be a small emergency or, oh my goodness, I, I spent a couple extra dollars that I didn't have and now I need to pull it from somewhere. Right. Um, oh, so it's part, like the word emergency. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think and that, emergency is maybe <laughs> different than some people, but like for some people, it's like, I need a new tires, but you like, that's not an emergency, you know, tires wear out. Yeah. Right. Like, so, um, so yeah, just, it, it absolutely is because sometimes for me, it feels like this limited edition flannel shirt that I want is an emergency because it will be gone and I'll never be able to get it. <laughs> <laughs> and the reality is, is I probably don't need it in the first place. And if I sleep on it, I won't get it. But with savings, it's the same thing that you want to do with your retirement, with your monthly funds. 
if you can automate your finances as much as possible, including your savings, that it will just pull before you get access to your spending side, you don't think about it and it just goes. Um, building a good plan for yourself. So there's, um, you know, the, there's lots of different types of savings plans. The, the 50, 30, 20, you know, 50% to housing and bills, um, 20% to retirement, 30% to fund. Um, to retirement and savings, there's that's a really good initial format, but it's important to find the one that you can stick to and guarantee and commit to. So if you can only save without touching it $5 a month, $500 a month, whatever that number is, that's the commitment you need to make to yourself when you look at it, because it's really easy once you've pulled from your savings to pull from it again and again and again until it's gone. But if you create it and you start sticking to it, it's your brain will start to rewire itself a little bit and it becomes exciting to save. And so then you'll find ways to start saving more um, and find ways to do that because that becomes the fun part of it. Not what can I use this savings on? It's I am saving for the sole purpose of saving. There is no intended purpose. I don't have a plan in mind for it. It is there to be there and to be its own set piece. And that's the joy you get out of it. And finding a way to revamp your brain to think that way is really helpful. But sticking with a number that you can stick with is the most important thing because it will grow as you get used to it. But you need to make sure that you're creating a, an, an actual mental block of I am not going into my savings for these funds. And then if you're going to like making sure that you sleep on it before you access. Right. Because there might be an actual emergency that needs, that needs something like that. And it's good for that, but that's not what the intended, that's not what you're telling yourself the intended purpose is in your brain. Right. Um, So what if this is a new habit? Right. Like what if you've like pulled out of your savings dozens and dozens of times? Right. Mm -hmm. How do you do you have advice, I guess, about how you reframe that so that now there's that boundary of like savings is savings and I can't I can't go there. Yeah, Uh, there's ways to hold yourself accountable um, from do I put my savings in a institution. So do I put it in a different bank from where my checking is and make that change? So it goes somewhere else. There's an auto transfer that goes into it. So I don't think about it and it's just there. And I have that set up for one of my accounts where it goes into a different institution and I don't use it on anything except for um, my like fun purchases and savings accounts can be that same way where if you set it up somewhere else, then you're starting fresh and doing that. And you may have to, if you've pulled into your savings enough times that you've created that wiring, you may just have to close that account out and open it somewhere else. So that way it's a whole new setup for your brain. Or you find a way to hold yourself accountable, you know, communicate that with someone verbally, write it down and make that commitment to yourself and look at it um, a couple of times, whenever you want to pull from that savings, you're looking at, I made this commitment to myself. I have to go look at this 
written form in front of me and say, I'm, I'm going to break this contract with myself. And that can help you kind of rewire it again and move out of that thought process of it's okay to use it for this every once in a while. Right. Um, the other thing you and I talked about when we talked a couple of weeks ago was that um, you can split your direct deposit from your paycheck. Yes. So I never really realized that. I don't overshop. So mine just goes where it goes. Um, but um, I have other issues for sure, but that's not one of them. Uh, but uh, I just think that's, you know, really a handy thing to know if you're going to have like a savings at a different institution and then you're like checking account somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It's a really useful tool. Um especially since then you never see the funds come in and then a transfer out. So then you so don't you lost it. <laughs> you just it, out of sight, out of mind. And it's just, it's just there and you don't look at it. You don't manage it like in the same sense of trying to, to go in and look at the funds. But if you can make it directly go to this other account and never actually hit your main checking that you look at, then it's much easier to just, pretend like it doesn't exist at all. Right. Exactly. Um, what other questions should we be asking that we're not asking? Can you think of anything else we should cover? Yeah. It's never too late to adjust your budget. Um, definitely should, should know that like, and it's okay to do a refresh and understand what works for you and what doesn't work for you. So the best way to figure out what to address really is looking at where do I see myself having problems with my saving, with my spending, and with my retirement contributions. So once you know your pain points or you know your pitfalls, then it's easier to figure out how do I avoid them. Um, and so that's a great place to start. And then give yourself a little bit of grace. Well, I was like, just going to say, I think like there's a big coaching piece in here of like, just reframing that shame around it. Yeah. It's so that you can look at it and be like, okay, yes, I messed up, but lots of people mess up and I'm learning and I'm making it better. Right. Yeah. We're looking at long-term planning, funding, saving. So um, a little, a little piece here and there is not the end of the world it's important to give yourself some grace and be patient with yourself as you learn to do these practices, because just like with anything else, you don't just learn it overnight and it doesn't just come naturally to us. And so that's the other aspect of it is, is, is yeah, if we falter, we falter and do that. But part of setting yourself up for success is understanding your current limitations and building it around those limitations, because that's going to be what, what's going to drive that. You need to understand that, you know, there is going to be impulse purchases that you will want to make and you need to allow yourself some planning ahead of time of I'm going to do this. So how do I plan for it? And it's okay to do that. It's, it's okay to plan for having a little bit of an impromptu purchase here and there. I was just saying like, regardless of the topic, but even financial, yeah. um, I'm always telling my clients that there will be days where the ADHD wins and that's okay. Mm -hmm. right? It's just, 
that's part of life. Um, so if somebody doesn't live locally and can't walk into your bank and talk to you and they walk into their bank and they are like, I need help. Is there a specific job title that they should ask for? Like, I want to talk to the blank person at this bank to get yeah. the kind of, like that kind of support for like a, to learn to like make a budget or to whatever. Yeah. So I, I did offer a couple resources because not every financial institution does have somebody dedicated that to do that. Um, most of them will be able to offer a little bit or help, but mm -hmm. that's where, that's where you can build your budget in like mint right? and use the mint mobile app and do some of those, those electronic ones. If you do have a, um, where you hold your accounts, um, if they have brick and mortar with bankers, um, a personal banker in there almost always will be willing to, to help. It's okay. a, it's an industry about passion and our passion is people. Um, right. because if you're, if you're working in that industry as a, as a banker, you're, it's still part of the service industry. And that's one of the services we provide is how do we help you save how do we help you spend better and how do we help you kind of build wealth? And so those are three of the main focuses, but, but you can start there and see if not, then there are these online resources as well. Okay. So walk into your bank and ask for a personal banker. And mm -hmm. if they don't have one, check the description of this podcast and look at one of your resources. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Um, any other final thoughts, questions? No. Yeah. So Pretty emotional over here. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. Money's a big so, We're working on it. My last thoughts are ADHD can be like a superpower when it comes to the financial <laughs> side. And part of it is, is we, we have a unique ability to focus. And when we get really geared in on something that we find passionate, we can really hone in and focus on it. And so from the financial aspect of it, we can do the same thing. It's finding out what about saving, what about building wealth and retirement is part of our passion. Like is, and, and using that because that can be really beneficial to us as we create these little like milestones in, in our lives and celebrate those successes that we have with, with our savings. So if you, you know, if you manage your, your expenses and don't, fall into impulse purchases for a set period of time that you set for yourself, like celebrate that because that's a big step and that's a big win. Um, and it's important. It's important to acknowledge the effort that you're putting in because the only, almost everything you run into is, is geared to take advantage of, of how we, how we spend our money and to pull it away from us as much as possible. And so when you beat the system that way, it's a big thing to, to celebrate for yourself and recognize how much effort you put in. For sure. I just think like advertisers in general are pretty manipulative, mm -hmm. but it's even more manipulative, I think, to the ADHD brain, right, than others. I definitely yeah. have a client who, um, she wants to be like one of those early retirement people. So she, her hope is to like retire when she's 50, right? So she's all right. Like that's what's exciting to her is like, I'm going to retire when I'm 15. I'm going to travel the whole damn world. Right. I'm going to mm -hmm. see everything. Right. Um, and that's what sort of like is her like mantra that she's always saying, like, no, I don't want Starbucks because I want to go 
to Florence someday. And no, I don't need that extra shirt because I want to go to Rome, right? So yeah, yeah. and it, it's important to to think through that way a little bit and to give yourself time. So if you can, you know, 90% of the time, if you can sit on something for a day, you'll change your mind and recognize that maybe it's not so important to get. And that's, that is an important trait to pick up for those of us that, that can fall, fall prey to those types of impulse purchasing. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have clients that uh, also like ask themselves, like, what's the, what's the outcome of this? What's the outcome of me buying this? Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, or, you know, what's my purpose in buying this, right? Is it for satisfaction right now or is it for my future self? Right. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. If you want to email me those resources, I will add them to the description and we appreciate you coming on. Of course. Thank you for the time. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you wanted to coach with me, see my information at bigbangcoaching.net. If you are interested in emailing us, you can reach us at the ndtoolbox at gmail.com. And if you wanted to see our website, please go to the neurodiverse toolbox.podbean.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Neurodiverse Toolbox.